Hey, Matt. Yes, Ryan. Can you lend me a few bucks? And tonight, can you get us a ride? Yeah, I can do that. Okay, and uh, where do you think we should go? Uh, wherever we can listen to this. Ah! And welcome back, everybody! This is the best music podcast on the interwebs, hosted by two best friends who, you know, just every week we just take turns picking albums that we go over uh, track by track. It could be very detailed examinations, or it could be like, hey, I like this track, let's move on, or hey, I don't like this track, let's move on. So, I am Ryan Kearns. I'm Matt Derzik. I realized that I, I didn't introduce us, and like you know, people are going to be like, "Who who's talking right now?" Well, I mean, if they're if they're listening on uh, their platform of choice or watching this on YouTube, they they, they probably looked at the details. And be like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, but I mean, for those of you who just blindly click on stuff, and uh, this you is know, true. Um, it is 2024. Yeah. So yeah. Hey, welcome. Uh, and this week. It was Matt's choice to pick the album that we're going to look over. Yes, and as is custom with me, except for the one month in which I told neither of us to do the usual thing, <laughs> uh, I went with an older album, and I decided to go with an album that has been uh, very well acclaimed over the course of uh, its existence on this planet, and that is Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. Why did you... Uh... Why did you choose this? Other than it being a very acclaimed album. Um, because, well, there's a couple of reasons. Um, so I've been walking this year. I've been getting back into the habit of trying to walk every day. And I've been listening to albums like one per session. And this was one of the ones that came out. I was like, oh. Because I had a thought. It's that, you know, for as long as we've been doing this show, which is, I think this is episode number 18 or 19 now. Okay. I, except for Blue, I don't think I've given out a 10. And you also gave that a 10. So I'm thinking, this could be an opportunity for me to give a 10 and for Ryan to not give it a 10. But we will find out at the end of the episode if I do give this a 10. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm very intrigued, man. <laughs> so for those of you who are like, what is a Bruce Springsteen? I don't know, like what else can be said about him? Like American singer songwriter. Um, like I think born to run was like his big breakout album. If I'm not mistaken, it was, it was, it was the, um, it wasn't his first album. It was his third album. His first two were, uh, greetings from Asbury park, New Jersey, which I believe was 1972 and the wild, the innocent, the East street shuffle, which was 1973. Okay. So this is two years after that. So this is album number three. And this is the album that went all the way to, I think number three on the charts, uh, the lead single, which is the title track went all the way to number 23. Okay. And this was the first album where people really noticed Springsteen for the first time. And Forgive me for my lack of research, but is this the first album where it features the East Street Band as well? I don't think so. I think it might be the second album. Okay. okay. Because um, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. I, I'm I really I have not listened to uh, Greetings from Asbury Park or the Wild Instrument and the yeah East Street Shuffle um, at any point. So I, my knowledge on those is limited, but my knowledge on this album is a little different than that. Okay. Cool. So, without further ado, are you ready to get at her? Let's get at her. All right, so the opening track is Thunder Road, and I'm going to let you open it up, because I I, I feel like in a lot of episodes, I'm the one who's just basically leading the charge, and you're like, okay, okay. And I guide everything, but uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the tables here. Right. So uh, tell us about what is a Thunder Road. Thunder Road is the opening track, which has been in of itself acclaimed for being this powering anthemic ode to you know owning a big fast car and you know being the man about town with a big fast car and. Uh, Honestly, I don't think it's as great as people think it is. I, I don't. I'm not saying it's bad at all. I think this is a very good song, and I think it's a great album opener. Yeah. Um, 
but it does feel very much like the intro to a musical about a guy from New Jersey with a fast car. Yeah. Like, he's talking about, hey, I don't want to be lonely tonight, um, so let me get this you know hot right out of my garage, I'll pick you up at your house, and we're just going to go into the night and find out what's there. Yeah. And I think this song does a very good job of conveying that. I think it builds up very well. Um, I think the sax code at the end is great. Um, the only part about the song I'm not hot on, it's not bad, but I'm not hot on, is the, um, is the harmonies on the vocals. Um, because they, they seem a little, I want to say off kilter, mm. but I'm trying to think if that's Springsteen harmonizing with himself or if he has someone back him up, whoever it is. Someone's up like way in the register, and it just feels kind of weird. Um, but again, that's just a real like detail nitpick. Otherwise, I think this is a solid, solid album opener. Do I think it's one of the hundred greatest songs of all time, like Rolling Stone said back in 2003? No, I don't. I don't think it's number 86 on the list. But um, I think it's a good song. Yeah. This does definitely feel like a, uh, hey, Rolling Stone would really, really love this kind right. of track here. And so, like, overall, I would say um, from an instrumental standpoint, this is a great, great track. And, like, you made a good comparison to how this feels like an opening number to a musical. Because there's a couple different points throughout the album where it definitely does feel that. Especially mm. with the last track, Jungle Land, and how like that whole album, the whole track ends. Yes. Um, but we'll get to that much later on. My, my beef here is with Bruce's singing. Yeah, and, and and I knew beforehand that this was gonna be a, a sticking point for you. Yeah. I whenever you mentioned that we were gonna cover Bruce Springsteen's Born Run, I don't know if you remember, but I had a like a oh kind of reaction. Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> and I was just like, Okay, I know that I don't like his singing, but let's actually, you know, do my due diligence and check out each track and try to really look at it with a fresh set of eyes and listen to it with a fresh set of ears and be open-minded instead of just being like, oh, no, caveman brains here. This is bad track. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, so for those of you who are wondering, every single note I have on every single track here is Bruce's vocals, Bruce's vocals, Bruce's vocals. But I have a detailed reasoning for, for why. But in this one here, I feel like his singing sounds so strained and it like his voice tends to fall flat and it just takes away from the track for me. Like, um, instantly, if you swap out with this, with any of the vocalists and like, I would be curious to re-examine like his later catalog because I remember listening to uh, his album Radio Nowhere and like thinking that the vocals there are pretty good. Um, mm. It would be interesting to see if he would even consider. I don't think he would remaster this album because he really has something to prove at this point. No, really, he doesn't. <laughs> uh, but like again, for me on my ears, like the singing really takes away from the track. However. Um, I'm gonna talk about the East Street Band and the rest of the compositional Go elements there here because, like, that would be a disservice, honestly. Mm -hmm. So, you know what kind of vibe I got off of this track here? What? An American Pie kind of feel. Yeah. 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 Like, I, 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 just the way that the whole thing kind of feels, and like, you know, there's a lot of wordy elements to it. And it's a very Americana, and like. And it has that feeling of just like, again, for lack of a better term, a lot of like Bruce's uh, songs are all about that open road and, hey, um, I hate this town. It sucks. Let's get out of here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I kind of got that. Um, I always love a good Barry Sax. Like, yeah. that that speaks to me as a for, as a, a Barry Sax player. I almost said a former Barry Sax player. Oh, my goodness. R.I.P. Right. my musical career. <laughs> but, well, you never know. You never know. And the outro, like you mentioned, it's very nice. Very nice. I, I love I It shows off what the band can do quite well. Mm -hmm. um, 
And like I said, lyrically, this is a typical, this town is so messed up, let's leave it. Um, lyrics that exemplify this are, these two lanes will take us anywhere. We got one last chance to make it real, to trade in these wings on some wheels, climbing back, heaven's waiting down on the tracks. So, I mean, overall, if it weren't for Bruce's vocals, this would be a very awesome opening track to the album. Yeah, um, I, I, I disagree a little bit on the vocals. Not not that I don't get where you're coming from, because Bruce's vocals on a lot of this does sound on the forced side. Yeah. But especially compared to some of the other tracks that we're going to get into, I think his, vo- his, his singing sounds fine. I, I mean, a lot of people say, well, that's just him trying too hard. And I'm just thinking, no, nah, I think that's just his voice. That's just that's that's how he sounds, and I yeah. and I understand that great because you know definitely has that very you know sort of a gruffness to it, and like you know we're gonna get out of this town. Like it doesn't seem real. Like it seems like he's playing a character, and he very well maybe. Yeah, but I think he plays the character very well. I think my um, again uh, every single track where I, like I will mention about Bruce's vocals, I, I, like there there's a couple spots where I don't mind it and it actually sounds pretty good mm-hmm. to me. But my beef isn't with like him playing a character. Like it's more on the technical, like the, the delivery side of it, right? That I don't, I don't, I, I don't care for. Like if he's playing a character, cool. Like you know, one of my favorite bands, and I'll talk about them much later on, is the Gaslight Anthem, right? And like they, 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 like at least especially earlier on in their career, they channel Bruce Springsteen to an extent, and the lead singer of that band, for more or less, does play character because i've heard him do interviews and i those vocals i don't mind so right um anyways that's a fair point that's a fair point yeah um but i think again compared to some of the other tracks i think some of the other tracks get a lot more strain and we'll get there oh yeah we will yeah i can't wait to get to born to run we'll see about that (laughs) all right so ready to move on to 10th avenue freeze out 10th avenue freeze out so i will i will uh, leave this one off um so i know like i literally just mentioned in the last track here that a lot of bruce's songs are basically hey let's hit the open road and like you know Mm -hmm. americana this isn't that and no. this is just a nice soul track, dude. It really is. It really is. I think, uh, you know, it, it's just. I, I think I've read in uh, past articles that this was um, Bruce's like tribute to like soul singers like Otis Redding and um, Arthur Conley, for example. Yeah. Like very, just basic like Memphis horns type of track. Yeah. And it it works out so well. I mean, the the band is sort of front and center here. Um, the lyrics really aren't the focal point. They don't have to be. Yeah. Um, where he's just talking about... I think he's talking about kind of the opposite of going out on the open road, which it sounds like he's you know caught in a jam. He might be stuck in a traffic jam and just sort of getting out his blues in a fancy sense. Yeah. But realistically, this is just a good R&B track. Uh, the band cooks real well here. Um, the only part that kind of, Again, kind of, a little bit of a nitpick here is in the uh, the bridge of the song where Springsteen's kind of just wailing the, ah, and then you hear that what do do like that could have been produced a little better but yeah, that, again that is a massive nitpick on my end um, I really don't have much to say about this track other than it's really good I like I have the same notes about the bridge like I wrote the bridge is very interesting yeah <laughs> and like Again, lyrically not much here, but like I really, really love what, how tight that band sounds. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Bruce's vocals are still very off-putting to me. Right. And like it's more like I feel like here, like the staccato delivery, like 10th Avenue, freeze out, and, like the way that I don't know, it just sounds flat. Um, I I don't know, man. I I feel like I'm gonna say that with every single. You might, yeah. you might, um, but well, I, I get where you're coming from. Like, there, there is a certain, um, I don't want to say arrogance, maybe overconfidence is the the word here. Yeah. When, he, when he's trying to do his vocals, like he's he's definitely like playing them up. Yeah. Um, 
you know, like what what on the verses, particularly when he's doing that, da 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 da, um, you know, like it definitely feels like he's pushing a little bit, but. Again, I think a lot of this goes to if you think it works or not, and I think it does. Oh, yeah. Um, like, like, like you, you say it was off-putting. Like it didn't, it didn't put me off per se. I, I think, it, I think it clicks. Um, even though, I, even though I know he's trying too hard. Yeah. Like it, it feels like it's blending in here. So, um, but yeah, no. The, the the best part of this is the band for sure. Yeah. Um, like, it, like there's a lot of times where like. Um, and I, and I don't want to go down too far this road because this is not what this show's about, but it feels like there's a lot of times where like a lot of, uh, white artists will try to like purvey like black music yeah. and kind of come flat on their face. Yeah. Uh, this isn't one of those tracks. Like this is like legit R and B, like the band sounds like an R and B band. Yeah. And whether or not the singer of this band disqualifies that is up to the listener, which in this case, it doesn't for me. I like this track. Okay, cool. I mean, um, Overall, like, you know, band um, is, again, like, you know, killing it. Um, I, I, I really love what, they, what they're bringing to the table. Bruce's vocals kind of, like, bring it back down to earth a little bit for me. Yeah, but I think, but I think that kind of, the, the thing with Bruce's vocals is that I think it kind of, it's meant to be down to earth. Yeah. Like, he's, he's, he doesn't want to be, like, like whenever the Beatles did Sgt. Pepper, like yeah. they wanted to be this different band. They want to be out there in the world playing these yeah. characters. Whereas I think the character that Bruce wants to play, like, like it's almost like a fictionalized version of himself. So when I mean bringing it back down to earth, I'm like, you know, taking it down like a grade, not like you know from a feel kind of standpoint. Oh, okay, I, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, in terms of like you know, um, like like basically what you're saying is on a technical basis, on a sonic basis. You feel his vocals bring this down. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not a thematic thing. Yeah. I, okay, I can understand that. So before we even go on, like you know, um, in terms of rating this album, what I did to give this album a fair shot is I took each track. I'm like, okay, here's where I think Bruce's vocals are at, and here's where I feel like the rest of the band's at, and I just averaged it out. So okay, so in order to give it a fair shot, and I think you would appreciate that. I can understand that. I yeah. can understand that. So, um, you ready to move on to night? Let's go into the night. <laughs> okay. So, I'm going to let you uh, kick this one okay. off. Okay. Um, to me, this track basically feels like a sequel, um, sort of the part two of uh, Thunder Road. Because mm-hmm. it, it starts with that really fast-paced uh, you know, blitz of saxophone and um, instrumentation. And it really doesn't stop. It just keeps going on that pace, like, real fast and furious. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the band sounds great. Um, Clarence Clemens, the sax player on this, on, on this, uh, or, or the, the tenor, or the soloist yeah. on sax on this album, like, this is just some of the best sax work that's ever been on a rock and roll record, as far as I'm concerned. Um, lyrically, I think this is more or less of a, whereas... Thunder Road was Bruce speaking about his perspective of wanting to get out of town and, you know, sort of go into this open world of fun things to do. I think this is the difference between this and Thunder Road is on night. Bruce is empathizing with the common man who may be listening to this saying, you know, you may want to get out into the night, too. You may want to be that guy. And this is kind of what that song's about. Yeah. You know, talk about, you know, dealing with a boss and, you know leaving your house and turn out all the lights and going into the night. Um, it's not a lyrical masterpiece by any means, but again, I think this track is very, very solid. Like the first time I heard it, I was like, Whoa. And that feelings kind of come down a little bit since then on repeat the listens, but it's still just like, yeah, this is, this is good stuff. Yeah. You hit the nail right on the head. Like, you know, comparing this to like, you know, uh, hitting that, open road kind of feel i love how like i said like a lot of his tracks are basically about hitting the open road and we're almost like halfway through the album and we only hit one (laughs) one track about like uh uh hitting an open road but well this one kind of does too yeah this is more about like you know working that nine to five lifestyle while Mm -hmm. dreaming of like you know something more like a rock star life kind of life life lifestyle and uh i love 
Clarence Clemens in the track here. The, the way um, the intro works with the rest of the band, it's very nice. Uh, the, and the way that the band flows during the course is just so tight. And, like, you know, there's so many moments about this track here where, like, just everything clicks so well. Um, Bruce's vocals, meh. Um, <laughs> uh, not gonna get too much into that because I feel like at this point, like we're not even halfway through, and I feel like I'm beating a dead horse with a dead <laughs> horse at this rate. And again, like you know, uh, another really interesting thing that I notice here is how like the lyrics change up with each chorus. So like you know, I'm only gonna do like the first two choruses here, That's uh, fine. just so you, um, you can see what I'm talking about. So the first chorus goes, And the world is bursting at its seams, and you're just a prisoner of your dreams, holding on uh, for your life, because you work all day to blow them away in the night. And the second chorus, And you're in love with all the wonder it brings, and every muscle in your body sings as the highway ignites. You work nine to five, and somehow you'll survive till till the night. And, like, you know, I, I appreciate that penmanship, and yes, there do, it doesn't have to be. There's not a lot here lyrically. Like you know, we don't have to come through it like how um, we. I've come through Wilco's <laughs> dis- <laughs> like lyrics, right? But that's not the point of this track here. It's not a point of what Bruce brings to the table. Like mm-hmm. he's uh, talking about like that every man kind of feel. Like you know, th- um, I will say like the way that this track flows, it's very very nice. Um, in terms of like you know again i'm gonna bring up bruce's vocals it's not a bad delivery compared to the rest of the tracks here Mm -hmm. um still not a highlight for me but um it's just i don't know Uh, now that i'm really visualizing the track in my head right now i just feel like you know just it again it sounds strained and in I feel like at this point, now that I'm really thinking about and dissecting it, it might be, like you said, like Bruce might be just trying to overdo it. And yeah. him just saying, hey, this is going to be my message to the everyman. And maybe with like his later albums, he learns to like you know dial it back, and that's where he really gets good. So Yeah, I can understand that. And um, yeah, I think I, I like the way the song is structured. I, I like how it sort of builds up like it builds like a pre-chorus and then a chorus after that yeah and then it just sort of comes back down I, I really like that a lot um but aside from that i think uh, there's really not much more to say other than i i think this is a really solid track okay so uh you ready to uh go hide in the back streets now how long were you sitting on that not long but i figured uh, let's you know let's, <laughs> let's, let's let's go with it all right so back streets um I, I love the the piano intro and how that grows into the rest of the band. It's a very nice touch. And here is where, like, one track off the album where I actually like how Bruce's vocals actually sound, mm-hmm. especially when he's yelping and he's screaming because it lands very well. During the verses, it's kind of like, okay it does still have that kind of flat feel but it's when he really starts to dig in there and like really just blends in almost kind of reminds me of like um for i I know it's a very poor comparison but like kurt cobain where like how his vocals pop like i i I can appreciate how that works so it's funny you mentioned that i was so worried that it was going to come to this this is the one track on the album that ironically i don't like bruce's vocals oh yeah it's See those tables? They have turned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that wailing... See, you talk about him being strained on the other track. I think this is the most straight he sounds. Yeah. Like, I think he's forcing it way too hard on the chorus. Like, it, it doesn't come across organically. It doesn't feel very... Um, it, it just, again, it, this is the kind of track where... If this was the first track on the album... I feel like it would have labeled Springsteen as a madman that nobody could appreciate. Like it just it just sounds so strange. Now I'm not gonna say this is a bad song. It's yeah. not. It's just the vocals on it are so strained, especially towards the end. Yeah, where he's going rah 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 in the back street. Like he, 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 you talk about him sounding flat on. Um, I think it was either 10th Avenue Freeze Out or Night. I think he sounds flat here. Okay. And this is easily my least favorite track on the album. 
but there are some parts of it I do like. I do like the bridge um, in the middle. Um, and I think his singing on the verses is fine. Um, honestly, when I heard this track for the second time on my way up here today to do the recording, um, I thought I had a thought. It's like, you know who really could have done this song with a whole lot better vocal? Who? Billy Joel. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because Billy Joel definitely comes from that same uh, level of, you know, sort of singer-songwriter from the New York scene, dealing with, you know, the ins and outs of everyday life, you know, the difference between the glamour of the rich life and the tough street hustle of, uh, you know, the down and dirty life. And I think Springsteen does a really good job of that, too, but, again, something on this song did not click with me. Um, and, it, and I think it also doesn't help that the lyrics are kind of... I wouldn't say a nothing burger, but they don't like, especially compared to like Thunder Road or Night, uh, or even some of the tracks on the back half of the album. I don't think it really conveys any type of real um, connection with the listener as far as, you know, let me take you into this world where we have to hide in the back streets and, you know, it's life or death out there. Like, I listen to it, I'm thinking, I really don't care. So, like. Uh, yeah, this 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 track, it's not a horrible track. Like, it's very listenable. And, like, if you're listening on the album, it's not like, oh, it's an immediate skip. Like, it's fine, but his vocals are too strained. And it's the least favorite track on the album for me. I, I can respect that. And it's interesting, like, you know, how we both take away from Bruce's vocals. Like, yeah. know, different different uh, different takes on it. I, <laughs> I, I was kind of like, oh, well, that's interesting. Um so, uh, one other note that I will make about this track, and then we can go on to the big one. Yes. So, you talk about how this doesn't really, like, uh, Backstreet doesn't really have, like, a um, a lyrical theme that can really, like, suck in a listener. Yeah. Or bring in a listener. Suck in might be a very poor choice of words there. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I, know, I knew what you meant, though. Yeah. So... <laughs> so I would say that the meeting that I took from uh, Backstreets is more about like, uh, hey, remember how uh, that we were young and like, all the stuff we used to do? Mm-hmm. Like this is that. Like right. Um, Japan Droid. Uh, there's a band called uh, Japan Droids. They have a song called Younger Us, and it's ba- that song is basically like, hey, remember like. Um, when you were about to go to bed, but you mm-hmm. got up to drink with me instead. Like, that's the kind of feel I got from here. And, like, lyrics that kind of exemplify this are, remember all the movies Terry would be go see, trying to, l- trying to learn to walk like the heroes we thought we had to be. And, um, again, a lot of Bruce's lyrics in here are basically, like, you know, just singing, back streets! Like, yeah. you know. But, overall... I, I, I can kind of dig this uh, track here. Um, okay. It's not my least favorite. Um, I don't even know what my least favorite would be, to be honest with you. Well, we might come back to that. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, but I, I would say... I, I know what you're saying about the theme of the lyrics, and I agree that that's what it is. Yeah. And I, I agree that Bruce is trying. It's just that in a way that, again, like Thunder Road, like Born to Run, like um, uh, even um, Night... Yeah. Like, this track doesn't, like, connect to me with the listener like the other ones do. Okay. But that's just my opinion. You ready? Let's go. All right. So, Born to Run. Um, I did Backstreet, so you, you yeah, can, I'll, you, I'll, you can I'll, do the big one. I'll kick off Born to Run, and then I'll let you uh, inevitably break my heart. So... <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, I, I'm trying not to break your heart, man. I know, yeah. This isn't the Woco episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Born to Run. What can I say about this track um, other than I think it's one of the greatest songs in the history of rock and roll? I really do. Okay. Um, and a lot of it has to do not so much with Bruce's vocals or his words about, um, you know, like you said earlier, get on that open road and getting out into the night per se yeah but what i love dearly about this track is the execution of the band it is 11 out of 10 no notes uh except for the notes i'm about to talk about because it's so good um so just like so here's here's one thing and i, and I feel so bad for max weinberg 
who for the majority, like for 99% of the E Street Band era of Bruce Springsteen was his drummer. Yeah. This is one of the few tracks he actually didn't drum on. Yeah. The guy who was the drummer was a guy by the name of Ernest Carter. Ernest Boom Carter, as it's uh, placed on the uh, liner for the album. And I feel bad for Max Weinberg because this is just one of the greatest drumming performances I've ever heard on a rock song. Yeah. Just that, uh, the, 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 the drums alone are a 10 out of 10. Just that pissed and pumping, like that bass is like that. Um, the, the snare fills, um, the triplet towards the uh, end of the last chorus. It's just, it is one of the best drum performances I can think of on record. And it's produced so fantastically well. Like, what makes this song so great to me is like, um, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, the. Um, the Detroit sound or like the sound of like the blue eyed soul of like the late sixties from like, uh, like the song devil of the blue dress on by Mitch Ryan, the Detroit wheels. Yeah. Or like, like early Seeger. Yeah. Like the, the style there of drumming was just like, um, hit the drums as hard as you can. They won't talk back to you. And they just, it was just like, so fast paced, sort of like it, as if it was like a car engine. Yeah. Like you feel like you're in the inside of a like a Porsche when you hear this song. Um, aside from that, uh, I, a lot has been said about how Springsteen sort of modeled this song and a lot of his songs based on Phil Spector's wall sound. Yeah, and I think this is the one rock song that comes closest to that, as far as just layers of sound and just a big pounding musical cannon that just goes right in your face. Um, and it's delicate in other areas, like, on the parts where he's like, you know, um, one of the lyrics that I remember was like, together, Wendy, we can live with the sad- sadness, I love you, all the madness in my soul. Like, the little, like, glockenspiel on the back there, it's it just spot on. Springsteen producing this track, this is one of the greatest productions in all of, like, history. Um, and I think his vocals honestly sound really good on this track. I understand they still sound like Springsteen, so you know take that for what you will uh but just so many great moments um just whenever he says baby we were born to run and like that force back into the, the band or the, the main riff that the band gets into um and just one of the best moments in the history of rock for me is right at the in the middle of the bridge where bruce says i want to die with you wendy on the streets tonight everlasting kiss and then it just goes just <clears throat> right into the um, second sax solo. I wouldn't even call it a solo. It's just this walls, wall of musicians led by Clarence Clemens and Ernest Carter just going into the night. And, you know, like it feels like it is the moment, that explosion of feelings that comes with dying in an everlasting kiss. I would say this is on that list of songs like Bohemian Rhapsody... Layla, Stairway to Heaven, Born to Run is right up there. This, if this album was just this song eight times, it would be an easy ten out of ten. Your turn. So I was just so captivated <laughs> by the dis- like how you were describing this track. You know what it kind of reminded me of? What's that? Have you ever heard about? the pitchfork review for kit a no but i can only imagine the way that you just described born to run is similar to that oh jeez <laughs> like, we'll have to look that up now like uh if i could re- remember correctly like you know um the reviewer who was talking about kit a compared this to like a shooting star that only comes every once in a while <laughs> oh my and like you know it it it, it uh, anyways um, but yeah and, and for those of you who are uh, watching this on a screen or listening to this on a screen, um, you may want to have get some napkins or pause the episode, get some napkins and wipe off the uh, screen from the gushing I just did. So anyway, Ryan, you were saying. <laughs> so, okay. So um, I'll start with the bad. Okay. And then I'll go with the good. Because, like, I don't want to just, like, you know, again, a lot of, like, 
the way I've been like, you know, talk about this album, like, you know, I've been going back and forth. So like, yeah. I, I can't just be like, man, cause like, you know, I, I'm better than that. We're better than that. Right. right. I mean, you can't, you can't go to an English class, like on a paper and expect the NA. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's what we did with our Mumford and Sons episode, but that was well deserved because like the instrumentals and the vocals were bad. So I wouldn't even say they were bad. They were just boring and repetitive and not worth any further merit. Yeah. So anywho, so, Born to Run was my first introduction to no Radio Nowhere. That whole album was my first introduction to Bruce Springsteen. But when I wanted to check out, like you know, Bruce Springsteen, like this was the track that introduced yeah. me to him, and the uh, his vocal delivery here. The the biggest way that there, there's two points that I can uh, have to it. Um, not have to, but like describe my issues with it. At points, it seems like it's offbeat, and it doesn't like you know. It's just like I don't know. It kind of reminds me of like somebody drunkenly coming into a vocal and being like, and uh, I'm sorry that I'm breaking your heart right now, man. That's okay. <laughs> I, I understand where you're coming from, but I'll, I'll let you continue. Yeah, and like you know, he's just mumbling during like you know, like at least the introduction. Yeah, and that's so off-putting to me. And like whenever he starts going up, it's just like it. it Again, it reaches that strain point that I just can't get behind, man. But that's my issue with Bruce's vocals in this track here. Did you want to comment before I go on to the no, East well, Street I, band? I will say um, that the um, I understand what you're saying about the mumbling of the band. I never actually even thought about that. Yeah. About how that's it is kind of low, yeah. But I think that just kind of helps build things up into the chorus, yeah. Um, and as far as the strainness, I respectfully disagree with that. I think as far as like his execution, this is probably his cleanest singing on the album, with the exception of maybe one or two tracks toward the end. Um, so again, I I just think everything fits with itself. But again, I'll let you uh, talk about the East Street Band now. Okay, cool. So. That being said, fantastic opening in terms of like you know what the brand, what the uh, band can bring to the table. Like mm. you know everything sounds so freaking tight, and um, I love how the band's able to like you know really kill it with this driving feel. And like you know you talk about like you know Clarence Clemens throughout this track here, and like the yeah. solo that he has is like easily. Probably, I mean, I'll have to think about compare this solo to uh, Jungle Land, but that's such a great solo, man. Mm -hmm. And I love how, like, you know, even the bass has an opportunity to do a solo as well. Is that the bass that does that solo, or no? Where, where are you talking about? I don't remember, but I, I do have there noted that the bass had a solo as well. I'm like, Or it might have been just a feature section. might have just been a feature section, but again, the, the, the middle section of this... Um, the, and, and this is why thinking about this, because I was listening to this album on the way down here. Yeah. And I listened to this song and I realized, okay, this song for most of it is kind of structured, very similar to Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. You sort of have the opening with the first couple verses of the choruses, and then it goes to this massive solo, because my thought listening to Clarence Clemens was like, okay, this is kind of like listening to Brian May on Bohemian Rhapsody. And then when that's over, it just kind of goes into this whole other world for about a minute or so. Yeah. That, again, Bohemian Rhapsody did the same thing. Um, the only difference is I think it flows a little better here yeah. as a cohesive song altogether. Not to, not to knock Bohemian Rhapsody. It's one of the greatest songs of all time, period, end of story. But, like, even to your point, like, in terms of, like, uh, a coherent, like, message in a song, I would take Born to Run over Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm -hmm. um, at least, very, like like overall like it just seems like you know bohemian rhapsody was it's it, it is a hodgepodge of like oh hey let's put this here right let's put this here and let's just make sure this all flows together right it, it is a technical masterpiece and the, the the song itself is just so fun yeah um it, it, i would probably even say it's a little more fun per se yeah well this like if you put bohemian rhapsody on your car everyone's gonna want to sing along to that stuff yeah uh, this song not so much yeah. but i don't think this is that kind of song i i just again i think it's more or less a personal confession almost kind of like layla is um where it's just the singer's pouring his heart out 
and the band's just giving it 100,010%. Um, I'm not sure you want to write that number out, but you can do that at home. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, again, this is a 10 out of 10 no-note song for me. Um, I, I'm not sure if I was cu- cutting you off there. Or... Oh, no, no, no. Like, um, again, I don't feel like I have much to add in terms of the instrumental side because like, you basically... <laughs> detailed everything so freaking well yeah um i wanted to get my point in about bruce's vocals but like you know overall like this is probably the tightest of the band sounds throughout the whole album absolutely and i think you know for for as much as bruce's vocals might strain his production or co-production on this track is just perfect to me like, I, I would not change a thing about the song so, that being said, you ready to move on to She's the One? Let's move on to She's the One. All right. So, I will kick this one off. Okay. Because you kicked off Born to Run. Um, so, I I like the interesting uh, piano lick in the background to start off the track. And the bouncing, fi- uh, the bouncing feel during the course is a very nice touch. Um, Clarence Clements has, like, another nice sax solo here. Mm-hmm. Um Overall, decent instrumentals. Not as strong as the other tracks, to be honest with you, on the instrumental side. But that's fine. You don't always, like... Uh, not every song has to be Born to Rock. Yeah. Uh, or I was going to say, not every song, not every sandwich you eat has to be, like, you know, a spicy Italian hoagie. Like... No, um, it doesn't. Yeah. So, like, you know, you can appreciate, like, a good salad every once in a while. But, like, you know, overall, I, I like this song. It's an interesting, fun love song. Uh, I like it a, I like it a good bit. Um, my note about Bruce's vocals is it sounds like he has cotton in his mouth. Okay. On to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, pretty much, honestly, I think you actually hit the nail on the head for this one. Oh, yeah. Um, because... The, um, the, the the instrumental is pretty good. I like the little, uh, I, I guess it's a synth or a keyboard doing that little poop, 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 yeah. I like that. I like the piano. I like the uh, Bo Diddley beat that Max Weinberg provides in the song. Yeah. Lyrically, there's really not a whole lot. It's just a, you know, generic love song in a sense to, you know, as generic as Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, which is not that generic. Um, and while I don't hate his vocals on here, I will say... That the he does kind of mumble a little bit, and the problem is, is that especially with the very percussive nature of the keyboards, it all kind of blends in together. It almost feels like he's like phasing in and out of his own instrumental track. Okay, uh, at least at the very beginning. Towards the end, it becomes a little bit more stable. Yeah, but yeah, I, I noticed that early on. I was like, eh, you know, it's. Uh, a production choice that might have needed a little bit more cleaning or an artistic choice where he could have smoothed out the vocals and, you know, not to... Because, like, the, basically his vocals are going... And, you know, the, the, the keyboard is basically doing the same thing, so it kind of cancels each other out. Mm-hmm. So it does sound kind of weird. But, again, that's the beginning. The majority of the track is fine. It's, it's a fine track. In terms of, like, you know, a comparable track uh, here, it kind of, like, in terms of, like what it's trying to do i feel like it's like comparable to like 10th avenue freeze out in terms of like it's just a fun track yeah like yeah. It, it it's not trying to be anything more than it is um and for that i mean it, it's a solid track so uh you ready to do the uh meeting across the river let's meet across the river all right you're it okay <laughs> um so this when I first revisited this album, this is the one track I really didn't remember anything about, like, at all. Like, I'm thinking, how does this track even go? Like, what is this track about? But listening back to it, I realized this is a really good song. Um, it's not, I mean, lyrically, I'd say, and vocally, I would say Bruce sounds even a little cleaner on here than Born to Run. Like, he sounds <laughs> very, you know, it's sort of very hushed. And I made the comparison earlier how Backstreet's might have worked better as a Billy Joel song. Yeah. I think this song could also be a Billy Joel song. In fact, this one feels like almost a Billy Joel song that um, Bruce Springsteen covered and made into his own sort of thing. Um, Because really, the instrumental background on this is so sparse compared to everything else. I'm pretty sure it's just piano, trumpet, 
add maybe bass and guitar maybe. Yeah. That's about that's about it. So it's very much driven by Bruce's vocals, which again I think are probably some of the best on the album. And so it does really give this feel of yeah, I, I think this just does a better job. Like like this is what Backstreets should have been. Like this is what Backstreets should have sounded like dark, sort of hiding away, very Hey man, you know, can you lend me a couple bucks? And you know, you know, th- this is the real deal this time, and I'm gonna throw that money on the bed and show her I'm not messing around this time. Like this, like he sounds like an outlaw more so than he does on Backstreets, mm-hmm. and I think it really makes for a compelling track. Is it like, oh my goodness, you have to go out and get this track right now? Type of level, not necessarily, but it's a very good track, in my opinion. It's you talk about this being a very compelling track, and I absolutely agree, man. And like you know, in terms of like a, a production note that um, you didn't hit on, which I'm gonna, uh, I really was drawn into with this track, is that distant trumpet, mm-hmm. and it feels like it really gives it this like kind of nighttime kind of feel, like you know, yeah, like a noir. Yeah, and. The way I walked away from this track with the feeling, like like you said, like Bruce was an outlaw. You could really just, you know, just picture the scene wherever, like, you know, Bruce is asking this Eddie guy to lend him a few bucks to, like, you know, get this one last big score. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, for that, I would say it's probably probably not my favorite off the album. I don't know if I have a favorite off the album, to be okay, honest. Well, well- We'll make our picks at the end of the... Uh, yeah. Even though anyone listening should probably know what mine are by this point. Yeah. Um, um, it might be the next track that might be my favorite, to be honest with you. That, that might be a cop-out, though. But... Um, overall, like, you know... Bruce's vocals sound flat. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, a whole lot... There's not much to it. Um, in terms of like what the East Street brand East Street band brings to the table, mm-hmm. but again, like what Matt described, this is basically piano, bass, and trumpet, like you know, right. and Bruce's vocals. That's what it is. And if you can really get behind Bruce's vocals, this is a really really cool song, man. It really is. Like, and you talk about the imagery. Yeah. Like you can imagine this like taking place at like some like hole in the wall Italian restaurant okay. or outside of a cheap motel where he's just trying to talk to a guy and be like, listen, man, I really need your help tonight, man. Like really seedy, really very, uh, you know, behind the scenes. This isn't supposed to happen type stuff. Yeah. And and I think the uh, instrumental paints a really good picture of that. And I think Bruce's vocals, again, they, they, Bruce's vocals are Bruce's vocals. I think they paint a solid picture in uh, helping create that image. Okay. So now we have reached... Jungle Land. Jungle Land. And it is your turn to close us out. Alright, so... I'll say my last bit about Bruce's vocals, and then I'll uh, end on a positive note here. Okay. Because, I mean, I that's what I've been trying to do for throughout this whole review. Um, I feel like Matt is uh, being like, oh man, does this guy have earbuds? Um... <laughs> But no, we're not back in our college days. Like we, no, we can respectfully, like you know, go through albums. We've matured. Um, We've matured. Um, that being said, like you know, maybe down the road I'll add like mental note to add another album that I I like the vocals on, but I don't think that you would like the vocals on. But I mean, we'll 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 explore that later on. Okay. Uh. So, anyways, Jungle Land. I the Bruce's vocals they sound flat and raspy. Uh, like at least in the opening part, um, but that's the only note that I had. I love the opening with the strings and the piano dueling against each other, mm-hmm. and how the band really just pops and transitions into like the full version of what it it's bringing to the table between the second and the third verse. Um, you know what song this kind of reminded me of? What? Baba O'Reilly. Really? Yeah, like, you know, that open wasteland kind of feel. And yeah. Like, you know, just the very open and kind of big kind of song. Okay. Yeah. I can, I can respect that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I, I love the guitar solo. I love the sax solo. And how much do you know about that legendary sax solo? About the legendary sax solo? Yeah, in this track here. 
Um, from a factual basis, or just how many times I've listened to it? From a factual basis. Um, nothing other than I've heard it twice, and I really like it. So, apparently, that solo took 16 hours to record. Really? Yeah. And the reason why is that Bruce was watching and guiding Clarence throughout the whole process. He was very meticulous about like how he wanted it to sound. Mm-hmm. And this is the solo that made Clarence like, you know, a notable sax player. Like people um really, really were digging it. And like, you know, I can understand because it it's not as like, you know, riffy and like, hey, like let me play as many notes as possible. Like it it basically halts the momentum of the track. And builds it back up, like, yeah. and it transported. And like the sax line is the guide there, and it's really the emotional focal point of the track. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna let you uh, chime in here. Yeah, I, 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 I think you do did a great job of describing that. It is interesting that it did take as long. I mean, I, I'm not surprised by that at all because, again, considering how very precise the execution on. The majority of this album has been, especially on Born to Run, the title track. Yeah. Um, that doesn't surprise me. Bruce is like a hardcore perfectionist. Yeah. So for him to have done that, and he's not the first to have done that. He won't be the last. I know uh, one of the tales I recall is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the song Peg by uh, Steely Dan. No, I never listened to much Steely Dan, to be honest with you. Okay. Well, that track, I think they took like 200 takes to get the right guitar solo for. Whew by multiple guitarists before they decided on one, yeah. which is fascinating because that that, that solo is fine. Yeah. It's not bad, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, the, the, the sax here is phenomenal. I, I agree with you on the guitar solo. It sounds great. Uh, you mentioned it sounds like uh, Bob O'Reilly. I don't quite agree with that. There's another song I think it kind of sounds like, especially from a chord perspective and also from a structure perspective, and that's Come Sail Away. By sticks. Okay, I can get behind that. Because the piano is kind of. In fact, I almost want to say that "Come Sail Away" is a giant ripoff of Jungle Land, in a sense, <laughs> because the chords are pretty much the same and the build is pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, except instead of you know New Jersey backstreets, it's on a boat. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it almost feels like the sax solo in that middle section just takes it into another dimension as far as you know the style of the song because it starts as very much. Um, you know, basically the same theme of, you know, here we are in Jersey being tough and everything. And another song that this reminded me of, even though not even close sonically, is the song The Last Time I Saw Richard from Blue. Giving us a, you know, uh, harken back to like one of our, uh, one, one of, an album that I was very grateful that we, we, we reviewed. Absolutely. Yeah. Because um, we both gave it a ten out of ten, I don't think yeah. anyone, would, any, either of us, would change that. Yeah. Um, but the reason I say Jungle Land is very similar to that is that for this entire album, we've been hearing about this mythos of how you know the great city is you know this sort of open land of opportunity and romance and men being men and people being people and people burdened by the nine to five lifestyle finally being able to express themselves. Yeah. This turns that whole thing upside down on its ass because this song is more or less, hey, this area that we live in, sort of, you know, this sort of Jersey-esque area on the shores of New York and New York and New Jersey, ain't that great. And there is a possibility that some stuff could really go down and, you know, things could get really dark. Similar to how Joni Mitchell basically presented this character, this Richard character, that basically said her whole view on love and romance was basically BS and like, listen, I've just settled into the great American lifestyle and, you know, the great suburban lifestyle. And if you're against that, sure, go ahead, but keep beating your head against the wall. Be living in comfort over here. Yeah. And I feel like Springsteen isn't necessarily disowning his own mythos there, but just presenting the other side of it saying, yeah, things could get bad and they can be. And this is just, and, and not to mention the fact that, for a lot of the album, you know, he's going, you know, he's referencing Roy Orbison and Thunder Road. He's sounding like Phil Spector on Board to Run. That solo, that solo in the middle, the sax solo, is cannot be more quintessentially mid-70s. Like, it brings the entire mythos into the present day. This brings the whole idea of, you know, life in New Jersey and in the city back down to earth. 
And I think this does a great this this whole track does a great job in presenting that in a very operatic uh, sense. Like this is the definitely the closing number to the musical. Um, yeah, and that's that's pretty much what I have to say about it. So it's a great closing track. Man, not much else I can say as well. Man, like you, uh, I, I feel like we did a good job describing Jungle Land. I think so. Yeah. So we did it. We did it. We were we uh, we ran. Yeah, we ran because we were born to tramps like us. Yeah, look at that, man. So you ready for some ratings? Well, I'm ready for some ratings. All right, so let, I'm gonna let you go first. All right, all right. So uh, I like I said, the way I rated this album. It, like I, I took the instrumental parts and then the the vocal parts and separated them because like you know it would not be fair to just be like Bruce's vocals instantly bring down every track this is a zero out of ten right because one I think Matt would officially just fire me as a co-host here right <laughs> and two again that's not fair like you know a part of my musical maturity. Um, is basically just, you know, really just trying to really take away good from it. And, like, there's a lot of good off this album here um, in terms of what the E Street Band can bring together. But there's, again, I can't get over Bruce's vocals. And for anyone who's listened to this whole episode, one, thank you. But two, um, it's clear as day, like, you know, I just don't care for Bruce's vocals. I gave it an honest try. Okay. That being said, six out of ten. Six out of ten. Yeah, I, I, I that's I, I will say I'm, I'm not heartbroken by that. I kind of was expecting it to be in that range, around the five to six range. So. Yeah. Um, what I will say though is, if Bruce's vocals were like you know improved, or if it was like a di- if I could t- separate that entirely. And like you know, not take that into consideration. My opinion about it. This could go into the seven or eight range. Okay, it pretty easily. That's fair. So. That's fair. Okay, my turn. Um, so, at the start of this episode, I said I chose this album because I was thinking I could possibly give it a ten out of ten without Ryan giving it a ten out of ten. Yeah, which would make it the first time in this show's brief history. Yeah, and I cannot do that. Okay, for two major reasons. Well, yeah, two major reasons. Okay. One, there's enough on it where I'm kind of like, this is okay. Yeah. Or in the case of Backstreets, just kind of not really into it all. Yeah. And secondly, this. I listened to an album earlier this week during my walk. It was a brief walk. It's a very brief album, too. It only lasts uh, roughly, I think, 33 minutes. And it is a bona fide 10 out of 10. It's After the Gold Rush by Neil Young. Okay. And that album, along with another 10 in blue, compared to this, when I listen to this album, I realize this is a man's vision, and it is a vision that a lot of times is executed perfectly, it is executed beautifully, and it is executed to a standard of pop music, rock music perfection. And Born to Run is definitely that song. But the problem with that, the one problem I have with that song and the one problem I have with this album overall is that it doesn't inspire, might might inspire people to be like into rock and roll, might inspire people to say, you know, oh, this sounds fun, let me do it. But there's a simplicity to Blue and to After the Gold Rush where you listen to it and not only can you think, I can do this. But also, anyone can be able to put their emotions out there if they construct it properly enough. And I feel like there's a couple moments on this album where it feels and like, and, and, and the and the thing is, the vocals on "After the Gold Rush" and "Blue" seem a lot more authentic than Springsteen's on here. Not that I think Bruce Springsteen's vocals are bre- are. Let me try that one again. It's not like I think Bruce's vocals are bad. But they, I, I will agree, they do sound very forced and very um, overconfident at times. I like them. I like this album. I think it's a great album. I think the band itself is a 10 out of 10 on the majority of the tracks, if not all of them. But I can't in good conscience give this a 10 out of 10. I'm going to give it a 9. That might be your highest rating 
uh, that isn't a 10? Um, I think so. I think this is this and Turn Out the Lights were the only two albums I gave a 9 to. Okay. Which is kind of weird to me that I'm giving this the same as Turn Out the Lights. But realistically, it, it, it is what it is. Yeah. This is where we're at, man. So, we're at. All right. So... I'm gonna let you do the next album uh, based off this album. What yeah. album I recommend? Yeah, um, that's kind of an well. If we were going chronologically, I would suggest um, the next album, which is "Darkness on the Edge of Town." Yeah. But I, in good conscience, have not listened to that album full, so I can't actually do that. Yeah. Instead, I will go to the other major blockbuster of Bruce Springsteen's career, and that is "Born in the USA." Okay. And I think that's another track where, or, or another album, I should say, where very much relies on its mythos. And I've actually, for, for those who want to do a little bit of deep digging into uh, my past on the internet, I used to have a Tumblr uh, called the Durs' Vinyl Collection where I rated albums that were in my vinyl collection and this was one of them and I actually did give Born in the USA a 10 out of 10. Um, because to me... I think Bruce's vocals are great. I think the production is great. I think again, there's like a there's there's not a track on there that is as powerful to me as Born to Run, but I don't think there's any track on there that's as meh as uh, Backstreets, with the possible exception of I'm on Fire. But that's another review for another day. Okay, cool. So there are two ways that I can go here. Uh, I could either go with the pretty cut and dry Ryan Kearns choice here in terms of like what I would recommend based off like what who influenced Bruce who was influenced by Bruce Springsteen going forward, uh-huh. or I can go by like you know like a gut feel that I have. I'm gonna go with the influence because like you know that would be the most direct hey if you like this you would like this kind of track here okay so the album that I'm gonna recommend is the 58 sound by the one the only the gaslight anthem okay uh, it is the most cut and dry you know hey this is a Bruce Springsteen influence record um, a lot of great songs off that album and backstreets is a big closer off that album um comparatively like how like jungle land is off of this one here right um not to say backstreets for the record hey i see see what they did there (laughs) (laughs) so yeah my official recommendation would be the 58 sound by the gaslight anthem awesome album one of my favorites from them i think it is my favorite off uh from that from those guys so yeah if you like bruce springsteen and want to listen to like a more modern version of what he does you know, one, you can check out his modern records. Yeah. But two, like, you know, if you want to check out a different band, check out the Gaslight Anthem. Yeah. Now, I know you've locked that in as your recommended album. If you had gone with your gut, what would you have said? So, there's a band called Gang of Use. Um, Never heard of them. Okay. You would... <laughs> we might have to do an episode uh, one time uh, coming up here soon. But, like, there's an album that they have called Go Further go f- further in lightness and that is more about like that gut feel that in a lot of bruce's songs about like hey like you know let's hit the road and run let's let's we are young let's forget about the night let's just it, like let's just go kind of feel um so yeah that would be that would have been my gut feel okay. so that's fair um so yeah the time has come the time has come. We, we've officially done the whole Born to Run review, and it's time for me to announce what our next review is going to be. And I'm going to sit here and play dumb and ask you what possibly could be our next album. So, for those of you who, <laughs> one, have been pay- listening to every episode, one, thank you, but two, you might have noticed maybe a little bit of a theme, other than whenever uh, we did the January Challenge. First came one Phoebe Bridgers. Next came Julian Baker. In terms of like albums that I picked. Right. Then came Lucy Dacus. There was a reason for this. Oh, I know. <laughs> and the reason why is that our next review is going to be the record 
by one boy genius. It has come to this. <laughs> it has come to this. And the way, uh, I mean, we'll we'll talk about it in the episode there, but, like, you know, the reason why I chose this and did it this way is that when I listen to the record for the first time, I'm like, oh, this is a great album. And I listened to it a couple times, but never really explored it since. And after checking out every single individual member of that group in terms of what they could bring to the table, I thought it would be an awesome way to like for us to review a Grammy-nominated album. Right. And uh, the, uh, the time that we are officially recording this episode is the night of the Grammys, so let's see if we can give Boy Genius some luck here. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> give Boy Genius a little luck, and because it is going up against uh, Taylor Swift's Midnight's and several other albums... Uh, this might be the last time me and Ryan see each other alive because the world might get burned down by the time we have a chance to record the Boy Genius episode. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Do you have anything else to say about Bruce, Boy Genius, Sun-Dried Tomatoes? <laughs> Not really. Um, I will say to those, again, who have been listening for, uh, I believe this is our 19th episode of what we've done. Um, thank you uh, from the bottom of our hearts for keeping up, up, up with us. If you're following with us on social media, uh, again, thank you there. Um, also, if you are, uh, you still have a few uh, months left, months, weeks, weeks left to uh, participate in our contest and tell others to get in on the act as well. Um, again, uh, $20 uh, to the record store of your choice. And all I have to do is, um, well, Ryan, if you want to explain the rules. <laughs> all right. So essentially what you got to do is what I'm going to call everyone to do at the end of every episode. So if you like what you've heard, the best way that you can support me and Matt here is follow us on your podcasting platform of choice. Give us a review or subscribe. If you really love YouTube, give us a thumbs up there. That's the way that the algorithm can pick us up. Now, if you guys want to support us further, uh, hit us up on social medias. Uh, we have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and threads. The, the, uh, username is TTK. Listen on all platforms. Um, yeah, that's basically how you can enter into the contest. Um, take a screenshot of you doing that action, send it over to me and Matt by any means necessary, and you'll be automatically entered in for a chance to win. And we don't have to do every single action. It just if you do one of those actions, you have a chance to win. If you do every single action, you have multiple chances to win. Let's True. face it. Uh, so, and also, if you want to write to us, we do have a uh, email at tthaylisten at gmail.com. You can give us feedback there. Give us episode ideas. And yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. And for the last time in this episode. I am not Matthew Derzik. I'm not Ryan Kurtz. And we are not born to run. <laughs> <laughs>